Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Mystery, Suspense, Dramas, and Horrors, where we bring to you the most mysterious tales that the golden age of radio had to offer. And now, with 326 episodes made, broadcasting from 1939 to 1950, we bring to you The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Kremel Hair Tonic and Kremel Shampoo present The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Well, once again, it's Monday night and time to call on our good friend and host, Dr. Watson. I'm sure he's waiting for us in his study, so let's join him, shall we? Good evening, Dr. Watson. Ah, there you are, Mr. Bell. I was just having a glass of extremely mellow port. Perhaps you'd care to join me. Thank you, Dr. Watson. You're always the perfect host. Just as you are the perfect storyteller. Oh, you flatter me, my boy. Though I must confess that the ingredients which make up tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure are so strangely assorted that even an old gentleman like myself can hardly fail to make it an exciting yarn. And just what are the ingredients in tonight's story, Dr. Watson? Well, let me see. Take an almost deserted island set deep in a Scottish lock. Sprinkle it generously with the following assorted selections of humanity. One measure of evil scientist, a faint wisp of human skeleton, a considerable pinch of fat lady, a handful of professional contortionist, and a dash of midget. Agitate these ingredients well, then add to the mixture a detective by the name of Sherlock Holmes and a certain doctor by the name of Watson. (laughs) Season generously with fear, danger, and sudden death. And you have the recipe... The story I call The Island of Death. Dr. Watson, you're, you're beginning to make the hackles rise in the back of my neck. Indeed, then, since hackle means hair, I think perhaps you'd better have your word with our listeners before I begin my story. Yes, I will. Men, if you want to be a success in life, if you want to look like a success in life, remember that well-groomed hair means a lot to a man's appearance. I've heard so many men complain lately that the hairdressing they use is too greasy or too highly perfumed that it leaves a sticky and flaky residue on the hair. That's why I urge you to try Kremel hair tonic. This highly specialized hair tonic has just enough light oil to keep hair handsomely groomed, every hair in place, with a rich, healthy-looking luster. And it gives hair such a natural, well-groomed appearance. Yet Kremel never leaves hair looking or feeling greasy or sticky. This is because Kremel contains a special combination of hair grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair tonic. After you apply Kremel, just run your hand over your hair. Notice how delightfully clean your hair feels. So tempting for the ladies to touch. Notice how no greasy film comes off on your hand or hat band. Kremel always gives hair such a handsome, clean-cut look, as if you just combed it. And it keeps it that way all day long. K-R-E-M-L, Kremel Hair Tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, how about the new Sherlock Holmes story, The Island of Death? Well, Mr. Bell, as I told you, most of that exciting adventure took place on a tiny island in the Scottish Lake District. 
However, it began innocuously enough, as so many of our adventures began, in our rooms at Baker Street. It was on a stormy September evening, and Holmes and I were seated on either side of our fireplace. I remember after dinner that he began to analyse the old cliché that truth is indeed stranger than fiction. I can almost hear him now as he said... My dear Watson, the true picture of the criminal world is stranger than anything which the mind of man could invent. Oh, I'm not sure that I agree with you, Holmes. The police reports and the papers are usually quite undistinguished and dull. True, old chap, but that's the fault of the reporters. Depend upon it, Watson, there's nothing so unnatural as the commonplace. Oh, let's put it to a practical test. I pick up the evening paper. Uh, here is the first heading upon which I come. A husband's cruelty to his wife. Now, there's uh, half a column of print, and I bet you that without reading it, I can tell you the gist of the trouble. I accept your bet, Watson. Give me your deduction. Oh, it's not very hard. There is, of course, the other woman. The extra drink, the push, the blow, the bruise, and the sympathetic sister, all landlady. The crudest of writers could invent nothing more crude. <laughs> your example is an unfortunate one for your argument, old fellow. Very fortunate. The article to which you refer is the Dundas separation case. Hmm? The husband was a teetotaler. There was no other woman, and the conduct complained of was that he had drifted into the unfortunate habit of winding up every meal by taking out his false teeth and hurling them at his wife. An action which I think you will agree is uh, not likely to occur to the imagination of the average storyteller. Hurling false teeth? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Quite. What else could that be? You expecting a visitor? Yes, Watson, I am. And he might well prove a client who will point up the moral of our little discussion. Oh, what makes you say that? The gentleman calling on me is a distinctly colorful personality by the name of Stephen Singer. He's nearly seven feet tall, and yet he weighs under eight stone. Good a card from him this morning informed me of his intention of calling here at seven o'clock tonight. You said that he weighs under eight stone? That's only 130 pounds. He must be a human skeleton. That was the unfortunate title applied to him at the circus sideshow at which I first met him. Good Scott, circus freaks here in Baker Street. Huh. I've seen everything. Freak is an unkind and inappropriate word, Watson. Stephen Singer is a fellow human being, and a more than usually, unusually worthy one. In the case of the Bagshot Circus murders, he was good enough to take advantage of his uh, almost unique physical proportion and oblige me by hiding in the barrel of a circus cannon. His evidence was instrumental in sending a diabolical murderer to the gallows. Uh, let him in, will you, Watson? Yes, yeah, of course. Good evening, Mr. Singer. Come along in, won't you? It's all right. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. It's good to see you again, Stephen. Hello, Mr. Holmes. Don't want to make a nuisance of myself, but I did have a little problem, and I thought perhaps you'd help me with it. Of course, Stephen. Sit down, won't you? By the way, this is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do, Doctor? How do you do, Mr. Singer? My friend was just telling me that you once held him, helped him in a, in a murder case. Oh, that. To hurt nothing. Just slipped myself into the cannon barrel and heard one or two things I wasn't meant to. <laughs> Nevertheless, your help was invaluable, Stephen. I shall be only too happy to do what I can to repay the favor. What's your problem? Well, uh, perhaps I'm imagining things and perhaps I'm not. But wouldn't you say it was a rum thing if a professor offered me and three of my pals from the circus 50 quid apiece to go to some island in Scotland for a week? Yes, indeed, I should say that that's extremely odd. Can you give me a few more facts? Well, Mr. Holmes, this professor come to the circus three nights ago when we was playing at Stafford at a bow. Hmm. What was his name? Uh, professor McElwraith. Funny-looking cove with a bushy red beard he was. Indeed. I've heard of the gentleman... I understand that he is something of a rebel in the medical profession. He returned from Vienna recently where he's been studying under Dr. Freud. Dr. Freud? Never heard of him. You will, Watson, you will. Mm -hmm. He devotes himself to the psychological aspects of the human body. 
Pray continue with your story, Stephen. Well, Mr. Holmes, he approached me and three of me pals. And uh, who are those uh, pals? Well, there was Bill Carew, the major we call him. He's a midget. And there was Belle Brackett, the fat lady. And the third was a bloke who joined the circus two days ago. Jeff Walney's his name. I haven't seen his act, but he builds himself as the injured rubber man. Uh, Professor promised us 50 quid apiece, our tickets on the Scotch Express tomorrow morning, and told us he'd have a boat waiting to ferry us out to his island when we got there. Holmes, there's something devilish going on here. Professor who studies psychology wants four people to go to a lonely island. A midget, a contortionist, a fat lady, and the fourth... Oh, oh. Oh, that's all right. I'm used to it, Doctor. The force of human skeleton. Oh, I wouldn't say that. That's what you were going to say. Now, we all agreed to go up there. Uh, we didn't like the bloke, but none of us can turn down 50 quid. Mm, but we got to talking after he'd gone. Supposing he's up to doing us a bit of no good. And anyway, he made us sign that paper. Paper? What paper? I don't remember it too well, Mr. Holmes, but it did say that if anything was to happen to us, the professor wasn't responsible. That's what started us to talking and worrying after he'd gone. And that's why I've come to you. I'm glad that you did, Stephen. Did you inform your friends of your decision to come to see me? See me? Uh, no, Mr. Holmes, I didn't. I might have done it if I'd have been sure you wouldn't have laughed at me. I'm convinced that this is no laughing matter, Stephen. Unless I'm much mistaken, there's devil's work afoot. And then you'll come up there with us, Mr. Holmes? Yes. Tomorrow morning, Dr. Watson and I will meet you in Scotland. looks extremely choppy, Holmes. The boat's quite small. I hope it's not too far to the island. I'm a wretched sailor, you know. I'm sure it'll be a smooth trip, Watson. Well, I certainly hope so. Hello. Here comes Singer with the other three. Great Scott. What strange-looking traveling companions. Well, since they traveled on an earlier train, I think it's time to have Stephen introduce us. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Mr. Holmes. I'd like you to meet some pals of mine. Uh, Dr. Watson, Mr. Holmes... This is Miss Belle Brackett. What? Uh, careful, Belle, watch your step on the gangplank. Well, dearie, got to be a strong plank to hold me up. How are you, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson? How do you do? How do, you do? Thank you. Uh, this is Bert Olney. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson. How do you do, sir? Don't know what you do on the bill, Governors, but I can kick the back of my head with both feet at once. Oh, really? Very useful, I should imagine. Providing you're not standing up. What's your act, gentlemen? Act? Well, we haven't exactly got an act. Just regard us as friends of Stephen's. We thought a little trip to the Highlands might do us good. Huh. It'll do me 50 pounds worth of good. That's all I know. Put 50 more pounds on me, dearie, and I'd explode. And this is Bill Carew, the major, we call him. And Dr. Watson, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. How do you do, Good evening, gentlemen. I do hope this isn't going to be a long journey. I'm really rather a poor sailor. Well, I just said the same thing myself, Mr. Carew. Oh, call me Major. Everyone calls me Major. I suppose it's incongruous when you consider that I'm only four foot three, but I do like, like the nickname. Have a cigar. Cigar? Oh, no, thank you, Well, Major. we're all aboard, Mr. Holmes. Might as well get going, I suppose. Why not, Stephen? All right, Captain. We're all here. You may as well get started. Dr. Watson. Uh... Yes, Mr. Alden? Do me a favour, will you? Give us a scratch between the shoulder blades. 
give you a what? A scratch between the shoulder blades. Oh, that's it. As soon as we crossed the border, these Scots police started to bite on me. Thank you kindly. A starlit night, Watson, and a spanking breeze. I wonder what adventure lies in store for us. I have a feeling that Professor McElrath may not be too glad to see us. Why did you come here, Holmes? I know who you are and what you do. Why are you so interested in my obscure experiments? For two reasons, Professor McElrath. First, Stephen Singer is a friend of mine, and second, I have an insatiable curiosity, particularly for experiments that require obscurity. I want to know why a student of psychology wishes to isolate four malformed humans on a lonely island. All right, stay. Stay into the devil with your both. You can't leave this island until I give the word, oh, my inquisitive yeah. friends. Quiet! Quiet! Four of you and my employees for the next few days. Two of you... Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are uninvited guests. Professional meddlers, as they assured me. And I've no reason to doubt that assurance. <laughs> Holmes, the man's as mad as a hatter. Quiet, Watson. Uh, since you're all to be on my island during my experiments, I should like you to study this map and acquaint yourself with the place. Here you'll see are the guest houses, all interconnected by telephones. And I've installed the very latest form of that admirable new device. Now, down this path lies the snake house. Snakes? I can't bear snakes. It may not be necessary for you to meet them, Miss Brackett. Of course, I do use them in my experiments. Oh! Now, this path over here leads to the haunted watchtower. An interesting edifice, as you will discover. Seven enemies of James VI met a most peculiar death there. <laughs> You'll find that they continue to meet that death quite regularly. Look here, Professor. I don't like the sound of these. Nor do I. You tell us what these experiments are that you keep talking about. With pleasure. I've long known that the malformation of the body, of uh, freaks, if you'll forgive the expression, is caused by glandular deficiencies and imbalances. My studies have convinced me that these same glandular defects produce psychological alterations. For instance, you, Miss Brackett, weigh four times as much as you, Mr. Singer. It'll be interesting to see how differently each of you reacts to the same stimuli. What do you think we are, guinea pigs? You talk of applying different stimuli to these people, Professor McElwraith. What kind of stimuli do you intend to apply, may I ask? Every stimulus that the many resources of this island will enable me to apply. Fear, hunger, desire, envy, hatred... This should prove most illuminating. Most illuminating. I won't stand for it. We're human beings, not a bunch of animals. That's right. Let's go out. Larry, you're right, Belle. Of course he is. The bloke's barmy. Let's get on the boat and go back. I quite agree with you, sir. You're absolutely inhuman, Professor. Mind your own business, you meddling fool. I paid these people to come here. And they're going to stay. You and your friend are more than welcome to leave, however. No, Professor. I shall make myself personally responsible for seeing that these good people return to the mainland tonight. That's right, that's right. Indeed. Then you must be an extremely strong swimmer, Mr. Holmes. What do you mean? The boat left this island an hour ago. It'll not return for five days. You fools. You grotesque idiots. You're trapped. So go to your quarters, all of you. Go on. And don't be surprised if I begin my experiments before the night is over. Thank <laughs> you.
Well, Holmes, if we are marooned on an island with a madman and four members of a circus, I suppose we might as well make the best of it. Oh, dear. I think I'll turn in. What the devil's that? The telephone. Wretched instruments. They're just a passing fad. They'll never catch on. You mark my words. Yes, what is it? Mr. Holmes, are you in your cottage? Since I'm obviously at the other end of this wire, yes. Dr. Watson, is he with you? Yes, why? I'm worried, Holmes. A few moments ago, I caught a glimpse of a figure standing near my library window. I'm speaking from there now. I thought it might be you or Dr. Watson. But if it isn't, I'm afraid... And well, you might be, if only of your own conscience. I'm afraid of them, the freaks. They're so angry. They might well... I'd hardly blame them. If you're frightened for your safety, the best thing to do is to let us all leave here at once. Are you sure it's impossible to summon the boat before five days are gone? Well, no, I did lie about that. I could give a signal in the morning by hoisting a flag on the watchtower. Just a moment. That was a stone dust against my window. I'll be back, Holmes. Don't hang up. What does that devil want, Holmes? Sounds distinctly subdued. He's frightened, Watson. He says there's someone lurking outside his window. Holmes, are you still there? Yes, Professor. What's wrong? That, that figure just standing in the shadows. I can see it from where I'm talking. I can't see the face, but it's... Holmes! It's raising its arm! It's got it! Oh. I'm afraid it's murder, Watson. Quick, we must get over to the big house as fast as we can. In just a moment, we'll find out just what happened to Professor McElrath. Every man who takes pride in his appearance should know that handsome, healthy-looking hair needs a hygienic scalp. And when you buy a hair tonic, be sure to get your money's worth. Be sure that you enjoy the extra advantages of Kreml hair tonic. This highly specialized hair tonic contains an amazing combination of hair grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair tonic. Kreml keeps dry, stubborn hair neatly in place all day. And it always gives hair such a natural, well-groomed appearance. Never sticky or greasy. But men, Kreml does lots more than keep hair looking handsome. Kreml leaves your scalp feeling so alive. At the same time, it removes dandruff flakes. And it's simply great to lubricate a dry scalp. And if you, like so many men, have hair so dry it breaks off and falls when you comb it, Kreml actually helps condition the hair in that it makes it feel softer and more pliable. So men, buy a bottle of Kreml at any drug counter. Ask for an application at your barber shop. Let Kreml help keep your scalp hygienic. Your hair always looking its very best. K-R-E-M-L, Kreml hair tonic. Well, Dr. Watson, when you got over to the big house, did you find Professor McElraith was dead? Yes, Mr. Bell, a quick examination of his crumpled body told me that he was beyond mortal aid. Holmes lost no time in examining that room of death. This crime isn't very hard to reconstruct, Watson. The dead man was standing here as he spoke his last words to me on this telephone. Yes, and the window is beside the instrument. The glass in one pane is shattered. Yes, at a height of approximately five feet. Oh, the professor was shot in the temple. He was about six feet tall. The line from his wound through the broken pane would indicate that the killer stood out there in the rose garden. Watch up, Mr. Holmes. Yes, we heard a shot. Anyone get a theory? Yes, I'm afraid they did. Professor McElrath has just been murdered. Murdered? Well, can't say I'm sorry. Perhaps not, Major. But the fact remains that his killer must be brought to justice. By the way, only three of you are here. Yes, where's Bert Olney, the contortionist? I don't know. 
He went straight to his cottage when we got back from the big house. Uh, that's the last I saw of him. You know, it's a funny thing. I was only half awake, Mr. Holmes, but I thought I heard two shots, uh, about five minutes apart. Two shots? And Bert Olney has not appeared? We must go over to his cottage at once. <laughs> wound in the back. He was lucky. Curious. Observe the revolver lying on the floor beside him. The same caliber as the one used to kill the professor. Ah, see what Bert's done, Mr. Holmes. He killed the professor to save us all. That's right, Stephen. And then he tried to kill himself because he knew you'd catch him, Mr. Holmes. That's the way it must have been. Oh, he was a brave man. An interesting theory. Yes, but only a theory. Look at the position of the wound. I'll stake my medical reputation that it couldn't possibly have been self-inflicted. Holmes, this has been an attempt at another murder. More coffee, Watson? No, thank you, Holmes. I've drunk a blasted gallon and I'm still sleepy. And I've smoked almost the entire <sighs> supply of tobacco I brought on this trip and I'm still very wide awake. I asked questions until well after midnight. And what did I learn? That the servants all alibi each other. Precisely. And that of our party of four, no one is able to provide an alibi for the other. So that it must be one of them. As ill-assorted a group of suspects as we ever met. Yes. It's a strange business. Why the attack on Olney? The professor, yes, that's quite understandable. But why Olney? What singled him out from the others? Oh, I don't know. He's a contortionist, but he's perfectly normal-looking. He, he doesn't seem like a freak. Of course. That's it. Thank you, Watson. You've given me the other end of the thread. Oh, have I? Round up the others and bring them to the haunted tower. Dawn is beginning to break, but before we hang that signal for rescue, I shall find the answer to this bizarre problem. Before we fix this signal flag, ladies and gentlemen, I wish to warn you that as soon as we reach land, I shall turn Professor McElwraith's murderer over to the authorities. Let it go, Mr. Holmes. Whoever it was did us all a good turn. Let's forget it. I'm afraid that murder is not a matter to be forgotten, Major. But surely you haven't forgotten the attempt on your own life, Mr. Olney. I feel nearly as good as new, Governor. I think the Major's right. Let's forget it. No, Mr. Olney. Not even on your request. Because the whole case centers around you. Who? Me? Last night, while the murderer was standing outside his window, the professor telephoned me. He wanted to know if both Dr. Watson and I were in our cottage. The implication is obvious. You mean that the mysterious figure he'd seen resembled us in Bill? Precisely, Watson. Now, Mr. Singer is nearly seven feet tall. You, Miss Brackett, if you'll forgive me, could hardly be mistaken for us. You said it, dear. Well, no, because the Major, he told us that he's only four foot three. It must have been you, Mr. Holner. But I got shot, too. And you said when you examined me that it was impossible. I could have done it. Medically impossible for a normal man, but I'd forgotten your profession. You're a contortionist. You could easily have shot yourself at, at, at such an angle. What do you have to say, Mr. Olney? That I, uh, Why not admit the truth? You're not a contortionist, are you? No, Mr. Holmes, I'm not. You see, my, my twin brother got the bid for this here job, but he had another engagement, 
And since the professor was so particular about the date, my brother told me to come here and we'd split the fee. But how did you know that he wasn't a contortionist, Holmes? You should remember, Watson. Huh? When we first saw him on the boat, he complained of the Scottish fleas and asked you to scratch between his shoulders. So he did, yes. A real contortionist would not have needed your assistance. So your medical verdict still holds good, Watson. Olney could not have shot himself. But you've ruled the rest of us out, Mr. Holmes. Not quite, Stephen. The simplest answer is that the mysterious figure that the professor described was disguised. Disguised? That theory would be confirmed by the fact that the killer, when he was in the garden, saw the professor standing at the telephone and deliberately attracted his attention by throwing a pebble at the window. Look here, Mr. Holmes, the sun's well up. I'm tired of all this theory stuff. I'm going to hang the flag on the tower. Very well, Major. But, Mr. Holmes... Don't keep us on edge like this. Yes, dearie. You said someone disguised themselves. Now, who was it? Well, surely the answer's apparent. Not to me, it ain't. Could you, Miss Brackett, have reduced your excessive weight to appear the size of a normal man? No. Nor could you, Stephen, have decreased your excessive height. But the Major could have made himself appear taller with improvised stilts. Then the Major's the only possibly guilty party. The Major? Well, it's hard to believe he'd done it. Well, even if he did, I still don't think we ought to turn him in, Mr. Holmes. Oh, no. Remember, he did it for us, dearie. Well, he didn't really hurt me when he took that shot at me. But that's just it, Olney. I might have been tempted if it were only the professor's murder. But he deliberately tried not to murder you, Mr. Olney, but to make it appear that you had killed the professor. But if he's arrested... There'll be a trial, dearie. And if there's a trial, you know how it'll be. They'll make out it was all because he's a freak. It'll be, it'll be harder than ever for people to accept us just as, uh, as people. Bell's right, Mr. Holmes. It'd be bad for all of us. I think the Major has thought of that possibility. Look at him up there on the tower. He's hoisted the flag. Oh, he, now he's teetering on, on the edge of the parapet. He's going to... Major! Major! Blimey, he jumped. Must be a couple of hundred feet down there. He doesn't have a chance. Ah, oh, the poor Major. He done it for us. Come on, Belle. Oh, I'll take you back to the cottage. Major. I suggest we all return to our quarters and pack. This unhappy tragedy has reached its final conclusion. What a shocking business. You're right, Dr. Watson. When I came to you in Baker Street, I never dreamed it would end up like this. One thing I'd like to say, Mr. Holmes. Yes, Stephen? I, I want to thank you, uh, not just for solving the case, but because you treated all of us not as freaks, but as ordinary human beings. Makes a big difference, you know. I know of only one way to treat people, Stephen, and that is as each person deserves to be treated. If Professor McElwraith had only realized that truth, he would not have paid with his life. <laughs> When you girls go out on an important date, you naturally want your hair to appear just as beautiful and lustrous as it can be. So here's a tip from some of the world's most divinely beautiful girls, Powers Models. Girls who are famous for their enchantingly lovely silken sheen hair. We glamour our hair with cremel shampoo. And I want to state that no other shampoo leaves the hair more sparkling clean. Really, girls... You'll be amazed how cremel shampoo brings out all your hair's natural gleaming luster. It leaves hair shimmering with brilliant highlights that last for days. Cremel shampoo is not a cream shampoo, not a soapless shampoo, not a drying detergent. After a cremel shampoo, the hair fairly radiates natural glossy highlights. Cremel shampoo even has a built-in oil base 
which actually helps keep the hair from becoming dry or brittle. How right you are, Mr. Bell. Cremel shampoo leaves the hair so much softer, silkier, with satin smoothness. The hair holds a wave better, too. So, ladies, buy a bottle of Cremel shampoo at any drug counter. See how easy it is to have naturally lustrous hair and a vision of shining beauty. K-R-E-M-L, Cremel shampoo. Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week? Well, I'll never see it next week. Well, now, next week, I think I'll tell you uh, about another of our encounters with the infamous Professor Moriarty. And how Holmes deduced that an apparently unimportant robbery in a Sussex vicarage was in reality part of a plot that threatened the safety of all England. I call it the strange adventure of the pointless robbery. Tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, A Case of Identity. Nigel Bruce appeared through the courtesy of California Pictures. Tom Conway through the permission of Eagle Lion Pictures. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight, with original music composed and conducted by Alex Steinert. This is Joseph Bell speaking for Kreml Hair Tonic and Kreml Shampoo, and inviting you to be with us next week at the same time, when Dr. Watson will tell us about the strange adventure of the pointless robbery. America is strong only if her school system is strong. Today, it's overcrowded and inadequate. So support your parent-teachers association. Do all you can to improve conditions in America's schools. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember... Your donations make episodes like this possible.